are live. Sorry, I'm having to do this from away from my house today because I was coming to bother some Republican legislators that are in town. Kianholler.com, at the Kianholler on Twitter and Facebook. We also have hollers all across the state. Thanks to your support. We really do appreciate that. Also got a shout out, Lisa Parker. A big supporter of ours. If you're buying or selling a home in Tennessee, do it through her. That's a way to support us. Today, we're <laughs> going to talk to Jesse, who's here from every town. Obviously, something that's at the top of mind for everybody, which is gun violence in Tennessee, gun violence in this country, and doing something about it. The massacre in Buffalo, and then right after that, the massacre in Valde, and really something new every day. We've had a couple things happen in Chattanooga. There was just a church shooting last night. So, you know, every day it's just become sort of a din. But we can't let it normalize. And this time, it may actually be different because there seems to be a bipartisan deal in the works. Uh, Senator Murphy, who is a big advocate for gun reform, uh, has been in talks with Republicans about what we can get done. And there has been a framework released. So we reached out to every town to hear about what's in the framework, what's not in the framework, and Jesse is here to talk to us about that. Jesse, how are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. First of all, how can people help and join to become that if they want to? So there's a couple ways that they can get involved with Moms Demand Action as a volunteer. They can text the word JOIN, J-O-I-N, to 64433. And that will get them connected to Moms Demand Action here in Tennessee. And then they'll get a follow-up call or email to let them know about what we're doing in their area. And then if they would like to put pressure on the U.S. Senate to pass uh, this bipartisan framework, they can text the word BOLD to 64433. And that will connect them to their senators where they can leave a message and let them know that they need to take action and they need to support this bipartisan bill. What can you tell us about this bipartisan gun deal? What's in it, first of all? Yes. So we have not seen actual language yet. So the um, the framework has been announced, and it includes several really important framework ideas for gun safety legislation. Some of the important things, I think, in particular for us in Tennessee would be that it includes incentives and information to pass um, red flag laws. Those are also referred to as extreme risk protection orders. And what those red flag laws or extreme risk protection orders do is they allow family members or police officers to petition a judge when they have evidence that someone is either a danger to themselves or somebody else. And they can petition a judge to temporarily remove that person's firearms from their possession. And so we call them red flag laws because when we see mass shootings um, happen across the country, oftentimes people look back and say there were warning signs, they posted you know, threatening messages, they had um, disturbing purchase habits, and if only we had an avenue where we could separate that person from their guns, potentially we could save lives. So um, incentivizing those red flag laws is one of the important parts of this framework. Okay, so let's talk about that for one second, just because I yep. want to give a little bit of context. One thing to know is that red flag laws in Tennessee have been proposed. Yes. Gloria Johnson proposed it, yes. and Republicans blocked it. Yes. And when that happened, <clears throat> Representative Rush Bricken, and I want to give you a chance to respond to what he said, Basically, he said it's too dangerous to try to take guns from dangerous people. 
and so he can't support red flag laws. Does that make any sense to you, Jesse? Well, I will say that red flag laws exist in, I believe, 19 states and Washington, D.C. right now. And primarily when we're looking at the data, they are saving lives, um, even more so than preventing potential mass shootings. What we're finding is that they're reducing gun suicide deaths in particular. So, you know, just as police are called upon to protect and serve, this is one more way that they have an opportunity to protect and serve and keep someone from potentially harming themselves or somebody else. So I was okay. watching that committee meeting when yeah. uh, it was presented and I listened to, I believe it was a retired social worker share her heart um, and her experience with um, you know, potentially trying to um, remove a dangerous person from their weapons and she was not able to do that. And there was no questions and no discussion. It was just voted down in committee. And it was very um, disappointing to me as a volunteer. And so I'm really enthusiastic that this bipartisan framework could potentially help push that red flag law forward in Tennessee. Well, we should also say that the structure from what I understand of the way that they're going to set this up is that they're going to try to incentivize states to pass these laws by putting some money towards it if you have this law to implement it. The problem is we've seen that set up with Medicaid expansion and Republicans in our state have shown that that didn't push them to do that. So, you know, I think it is important to do it because some states might actually do it. But I guess my point is I don't know that that will actually incentivize our Republican supermajority to do the right thing here, but it will stand as a way for us to point to it and say, look, you know, they're showing that they don't actually care as much as they should about safety in our state, which we're one of the we have five of the 65 deadliest cities in the country. You know, it's, it's a problem here. So I think it's important to do that. That is to me a, a, a good part of this deal. And uh, I just, I'm trying to make it Tennessee specific and, Try to understand what that's going to mean for us. Okay, what's the next thing? Um, another strong uh, component of the bipartisan framework is um, expanding background checks for certain purchases between uh, buyers between the ages of 18 and 21. And we don't have a lot of detail yet about what that's going to look like. But what it will do is flag those purchases for people that are between 18 and 21 um, and make sure that they go through an expanded background check um, that will take a little bit more time. And that can potentially put some time between the act of, of attempting to purchase a gun and receiving the gun. And oftentimes we know that violence can happen on an impulsive action. And if we can create that space and that time, there are some potential um, to save lives in that way. Right. And, you know, one would think that they would be sympathetic to something like that, considering they've done the very same thing for abortion and, you know, forcing a wait period for abortion. So, you know, I, I've seen a lot of memes and posts that say, like, well, let's treat this the way we treat that. Let's yeah. you know, have the same kind of restrictions. Uh, obviously, we should have less restrictions on that. But the point is to point out the hypocrisy of them saying that laws don't work. Meanwhile, they're imposing all kinds of other laws. The one thing that I will say is that seems to be an avenue or a part of this where it may not go as far as people want. I think people want to raise the age. I think people want to ban assault weapons. So that part of this, I think there are people who are saying, well, 
it doesn't go far enough. But then people like Chris Murphy are making the case that, well, we need to get what we can right now, puncture the myth that if we pass this bill, Republicans will lose support for supporting it. What he's saying is, no, actually, they're going to gain more support than they'll lose, and it'll puncture a hole in that mythology, and that's important to do so that the next time around we can push it further. Do you feel like he's making a good point there? I think Senator Chris Murphy, the way he approached putting together the group to negotiate and find common ground is to be applauded. 26 years since we've had any gun safety legislation in the Senate, and this is a very critical moment, a very critical movement forward. This is monumental. We've seen the last month the pressure that volunteers and others have been putting on our senators to do something and to take action. Unless you're really involved in the gun safety and gun violence prevention movement, you know, you may not be aware of the hours and hours of work that volunteers do year round. This has been a 10 year effort. So I want to take the opportunity to champion this bipartisan framework because this will save lives. This has been blood, sweat, and tears of gun violence survivors and of volunteers who have been pressing for action for years. And we have some bipartisan support for changes that will absolutely save lives. Just to play devil's advocate for a second. By the way, I I tend to agree with you, but you know, I, I have heard if we do this, chances are it's going to be another 30 years till we get anything else done. They'll be able to say, oh, look, we did something, you know, and then the other part of it, which I mean, maybe I'll just sum it up quickly. There's mental health spending, but then there's also money for school resource officers and more police. I've seen, I guess, people on the progressive side of things say, well, over policing in schools doesn't stop mass shootings and it ends up harming you know, minority kids and kids with disabilities, especially, it's not really a fix. It just feels like one. This is not an either or situation. This bipartisan framework is absolutely not the end. We will not let it be the end. This will be the first step forward. This is momentum. This is movement. As Senator Chris Murphy said, when we get this passed, and we will, we absolutely will hold their feet to the fire and we will get this passed. And when that happens, they will see that this is not this fringe divisive issue that they have been led to believe or that they choose to say. So moving this forward will show that this is something that we can keep doing and we will keep pushing. We have been doing this for 10 years and we will keep moving this forward. This is the first step. This is not the end. We're going to keep moving forward. And, you know, the bipartisan framework does have um, some information or I guess additional funding for mental health support and um, strengthening school safety. We know that those with mental illness are more likely to be victims of violent crime than they are to be perpetrators of violent crime. We need to make sure that we understand that. But additional funding for mental health support is not a bad thing. In terms of strengthening our schools, um, there's a lot of information around what actually uh, happens in schools. What does school violence look like? Every town partnered with a National Education Association to put out a report a couple years ago about violence on school grounds. And it found a couple of really interesting points. Most of the guns that are brought to school and that are used to, uh, per, you know, perpetrate a school shooting, they come from the home of someone who is connected to the school. So oftentimes it's a teenager or it's a young adult who is finding an unsecured weapon in their home and bringing it to school. Um, and so in that case, 
we can make an effort and make a change there without changing any laws at all by encouraging safe gun storage in the homes. And that's a big part of our platform here in Tennessee is spreading the message around how do you safely secure your guns in your homes to prevent a child or a teenager from accessing them when they should. Well, does encouraging work or does it need to be, you know, well, law? Uh, we have been encouraging. Yeah. Um, we have also been supporting a safe storage bill at the state level. We would love to see. I don't see, understand who could be against that. Yeah, I would love to see there be a safe storage bill where there are going to be consequences for people who choose not to secure their guns safely. And when someone is injured or killed with their unsecured gun, there should be should be consequences for that. Just as we know that people with mental illness are more likely to be victims rather than perpetrators, we also know that gun violence disproportionately affects people of color. And particularly in our state, it disproportionately affects Black people and Black teenagers as well. So I definitely share the concerns around increasing of armed police in our schools, but I think there's a balance to be had there. Did um, you see the John, the John Oliver piece? I have not. Oh, you got to watch that. It's He spent 26 minutes on this last week <laughs> or two weeks ago or something and really made a convincing case. More cops in schools is, you know, maybe in a lot of ways going to do more harm than good because it does logically feel like something that just we should do. But at the end of the day, it ends up becoming like the way that schools discipline kids of color and kids with disabilities. I think it was something like 54,000 kids were arrested in schools last year or something like that. And then, you know, there was this exchange that he showed where one of the heads of discipline in a school district in California was like, hey, we just make a referral. If they end up with an arrest record, you know, that's not us. It's like, oh, my God, if that's what's going on around here, you know, that's really problematic. So I would just encourage you to think about the other side of that. You know, I'm not saying that it's necessarily wrong. I'm just saying, you know, there are some unintended consequences with things like that. I think, you know, school security and increasing safety in schools, it's just one small part of what we can right. do. You know what I mean? Like it's its often what is discussed, but um, having, you know, robust safety plans in place and um, having a a threat detection program where students and teachers know how to alert people if they see something threatening or if they hear something threatening and making sure that there's a process that's followed through um, to really detect threats um, when they happen. So, I mean, school safety is a definitely a multifaceted place there. And again, I have not seen the actual bill language about what increasing school safety is going to look like there. It may have funding for SROs. Um, I am hopeful that it will also include some of the more comprehensive things. And again, um, you know, building relationships with those students and making sure that people have a process to report threatening behavior or problematic behavior and that there is a very clear process for it to be followed up on is also important. Can you talk to us about the idea of arming teachers and whether or not every town is behind that, what you think that means, and is that gonna happen here in Tennessee? Yes, I mean, this has been something that our state leaders have discussed for years, and arming teachers is absolutely the wrong way to go about making our schools safer. We know that more guns does not make us safer. Whether it's more guns in the grocery store, more guns in a church, more guns in a school, more guns do, does not make us safer. Um, you know, our teachers 
are there to teach and love and support our children, they are not armed security guards. They do not want to be armed security guards. They do not go through the training and um, the, the the law enforcement, that law enforcement, for instance, goes through. So arming teachers is absolutely the wrong way to keep our schools safe. Um, and if we see that in the next legislative session, Moms to Men Action will be there in our red shirts <laughs> and we will be pushing back and we will be presenting testimony, um, all the reasons why that is the wrong way to go. So, you know, we are we are prepared if, if that is a bill um, and we will fight it just like we have in the past. Well, I can almost guarantee you it will be. A big part of the reason why is I've heard from teachers already, a dozen probably, that have said, if that happens, I'm done. Yeah. And the problem is in our state, the attitude our Republican supermajority has towards public schools is basically anything that hurts them is a plus. So, you know, when teachers say I'm leaving, they're going to be like, great. That's the problem with who we keep sending up there. And I know you're a nonpartisan group and can't maybe join me on that, but you know, I, I do feel like there's a war on public schools, and I think the next frontier in that war on public schools is going to be this arming teachers. And you're going to see teachers speak out against it. You're going to see moms demand speak out against it. You're going to see people threaten to quit. You're going to see a teacher shortage get worse. You're going to see public schools get squeezed. And all of that is just feature, not a bug for the people who are, you know, against the very notion of public schools and government you know, funded schools, you know, I'm really afraid for where this is headed. I think that's what's coming. We look at what happened in Uvalde and the information has been shifting and changing. And I think we still don't have all the details of exactly what happened during that hour um, in that school. But we know that there were many armed and trained law enforcement officers who did not stop the shooter. Yeah, I think it is irresponsible and it's just illogical to think that one teacher can, can stop this. Americans overwhelmingly prioritize, prioritize gun control over ownership rights. I don't have the graphic with me here, but I do want to point out that Fox News just put out a poll, I think like two days ago, background checks, raising the age, maybe not assault weapons ban, but there were like five common sense gun safety law things polling at over 80%. This was a Fox poll, over 80%. So, you know, anybody who's not supporting common sense gun laws is out of step with the country in a very clear way and has no business being in office, frankly. So with that transition, say to Marsha Blackburn and Senator Bill yeah. Haggerty, you could talk to them. And I think you set it up perfectly because, the, you know, opposing life-saving, common-sense gun safety legislation is not only out of touch with the American public, it's out of touch with Tennesseans. We have looked at polling in the state of Tennessee, and Tennesseans overwhelmingly support background checks on all gun sales. They overwhelmingly support closing the boyfriend loophole, expanded background checks and waiting periods and other things like you mentioned. So not only are our U.S. senators out of step with the rest of the country, they're out of step with their constituents. They both both have been um, told about the thousands of phone calls and emails that our volunteers have been driving to their offices over the last few weeks. And, you know, we're watching and we vote, encourage them to do the right thing, to pass the bipartisan framework, to support these life-saving measures 
But also, I want to let them know that if they don't, we're watching and we will hold them accountable. If they will not save lives, then we will elect them. Thanks so much, Jesse. The problem is Marsha hasn't had a town hall since 2017. And by my knowledge, Bill Haggerty has never done one. So it's hard for these moms and these activists to get in front of the people who need yes. to hear them. Uh, but keep calling, keep fighting. Thanks for what you're doing. and appreciate you coming on here and talking to us. Yeah, it was great. Thanks so much.